This evening's uh, scripture reading is from John 17, 20 through 26. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that the, they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. The word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, I ask for your Holy Spirit to lead us into your presence uh, here tonight as we wrap up this sermon series on prayer. Help us to become a praying church. Help us to pray more, to just walk with you through our prayers. Uh, It's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. (sighs) Big crowd tonight. Praise God. I'm so grateful. Thank you for being here. Thank you for making the trek out uh, so that we can worship God together. Uh, Now, I want to talk a little bit about something that you guys might receive for Christmas. You might give as a gift. You might purchase it sometime in your life. Those little, like, in-house cameras. So you can get, like, a pet cam or maybe a, a nest cam that you can put in, like, a corner of your room to spy on your pet or on your kids. Uh, you can purchase these, and sometimes you can get a good deal on them. And so I want you to imagine for a moment that on Black Friday, you picked up the Space Time 2000 Nest Cam. It has just pure, crystal clear picture, perfect audio, uh, and you install it in one of your, your, your dining room, in the, in the corner of the dining room, the ceiling. Uh, but one day, as you're like looking in on your apps, you can like log into your app and, and view your, your home scene anywhere from maybe work, uh, out doing errands. One day, as you, as you turn on the app, the kitchen is gone. So it's no longer there, and instead it is replaced uh, with an ancient Near Eastern scene. So you have suddenly live-streamed into The Last Supper And you realize that it is the Last Supper from John 17 that we have been talking about uh, because on the app it says AD 30. Well, that helps. Uh, It's clearly a Middle Eastern house, and there's a long wooden table. And you know it's Jesus because him and his 12 disciples are only sitting on one side of the table. So you're like, wow, this is amazing. And so you begin to listen and watch what is happening. And Jesus goes through the Last Supper. He does the bread and the cup. Judas leaves. And then he begins to pray. And you see him open his prayer, and you hear him open his prayer by looking up and addressing the Father and praying to glorify the Father, to hallow the Father. The Son might be glorified so that he can glorify the Father. And then a couple verses later, he begins to look around at his disciples and pray for Matthew and Peter and Mark and uh, just all of the disciples. 
James and John and begins to make specific requests for them. Would they be united? Would they be uh, not swept away? Would they be set apart? And as the prayer heads to our final section, to the closing, Jesus then looks up at the camera. (laughs) He looks up at the fly feed, and you realize the, the fourth wall has been broken. He is now addressing you. He's praying for you, for Aaron, for Becca, for Molly. He begins to pray for you these words that we are looking at tonight. John 17, 20 through 26 is a prayer for us. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Like, maybe you thought, oh, the Bible doesn't say anything about me. (laughs) I wish I was a Bible character. I sometimes wish that. And then you remember, like, how terrible some of their lives were. Well, Jesus prayed for you. You're in John 17. He prayed for us. This is our prayer. And so last week I talked about, you know, what he prayed for the disciples, so what, what he might still be praying for us. And this week I'm, I'm saying, well, this is what we know he prayed for us. This is exactly what we know. And, and you're actually going to discover that it's not too far off from what he prayed for the disciples. There's some repetition. But I want to just focus on what did Jesus pray for us? Well, Jesus prays for our union. This is the first thing Jesus prays for. Really, it's the whole passage, 21 through 26. This is kind of the big theme. And so, well, what is our union, like our spiritual union? Union is a relationship that binds people together in love, togetherness, mind, and purpose. Now, this, is, this definition is adapted from a footnote in a study Bible, so it's not all-encompassing, all but it's a good idea. It gives us a, something to work with for what is union. So I want to experience this, but who is Jesus praying that we would experience union with? Well, first, he's praying that we would experience union with other believers, with other followers of Christ, with other disciples. Now, Jesus fills his prayer in John chapter 17 with lots of repetition. So he repeats the same kind of words and phrases and meanings over and over again. He might add a little uh, different nuance to them. He, he fills it with parallelism. So there's like parallels between different, uh, different um, lines. And it's really hard to see in the NIV because it's just kind of in paragraph format and it's hard to see in the ESV. But I actually found a good Bible uh, this week that really shows it. It's the, uh, let me go back one, the Holman Christian Standard Bible. And so I want to focus on where we see that Jesus prayed for union with other believers. He said, may they all be one. Okay, we see it there. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me. And here it is again, praying for union. May they be one as we are one. 23, I am in them and you are in me. And here it is again. May they be made completely one, so that the world may know you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Jesus wants us to be one, to be united, to be in union with each other, to have the same fellowship, to, say, to share the same mind, to share the same purpose. See, Jesus' first call is for horizontal unity, to the unity among brothers and sisters in Christ. 
Now, this is unity at the local church level. So Cornerstone is a local church. We're in a specific region. We're in Westford. We're on Granite Mill Road. We're, we have our own building here. We're, we're a local church together here. But he's also talking about unity among the universal church, so the invisible church. That's, that's believers from all times and all places all around the globe. May they all be one. That's what Jesus prays. He says, may they all be one. That's pretty all-encompassing, right? And we see this, maybe some of you are familiar with the Nicene Creed. We see this in the Nicene Creed. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. Now, I can see it in your eyes. You're like, I'm in the wrong church. <laughs> Let's go down the street to the Catholic church. They have a four o'clock service, I think. Well, Catholic just means universal, so global. One means united. Holy means set apart. Apostolic means uh, founded on the teachings of the apostles, so the New Testament. And one of our core values is the Bible here. Now, and so we see kind of this union, right, uh, as a global church. But then we at Cornerstone actually have a statement that you might not have know we have. It's in our bylaws. It's in our playbook that kind of puts this in, like, more practical language for us. We believe that like-minded local churches can help promote the cause of Jesus Christ by cooperating with one another, by prioritizing fellowship, mutual accountability, and a unified witness. So we desire to work with like-minded local churches. That means we want to work with churches that preach the gospel. We don't view ourselves as being in competition with other gospel-centered, Christ-centered churches. We want to work with them so we can demonstrate our unity, our oneness that Jesus prayed that we would have in John 17 by working with other local churches. Now, globally, we can show our, our kind of global union with brothers and sisters in Christ by... By what? By supporting missionaries, right? By going on mission trips. Uh, we just went to Haiti. We've been to France this last summer. That's why we're showing our union. We had uh, Thierry Marone, the French missionary, come and, and preach a sermon in August. That shows our union with the believers over in France. Now, we're not just a part of the universal church, we're a part of the local church, and we can show union by, by working with other four C's churches, right? The four C's is a denomination, but it's called a conference, the Conservative Congregational Christian Conference. And they have uh, about 320 churches across the U.S., a lot in New England, we can partner with some of them. And as a church plant, as a daughter church, we have a very kind of unique opportunity to show our oneness, to show our unity and our union with brothers and sisters in Christ through our relationship with our parent church, through our relationship with Emmanuel Church as we, you know, do potlucks together or uh, worship together on occasion. As we see them and encourage them and they see us and encourage us. And the, the passage goes on to talk about how our union is a witness. It's a sign, right, to the world. So as we speak highly of our parent churches, we encourage them, as we show our gratitude for them, well, that's a positive witness. Unfortunately, the converse is also true. If we begin to speak negatively about them, their leadership, 
or any other local church, that can be a negative witness. And we all have been through experiences where, you know, churches can hurt us. Maybe it's a four seas church. Maybe it's a church from just your childhood or before. And sometimes you just want to, like, rip into them, right? <laughs> but Jesus wants our union. Jesus wants our unity with other churches, with other gospel-preaching churches. And that's a strong witness. That's a powerful witness. Because when the world goes through strife and turmoil, what is its, what if it, what is its default response? It's to put up barriers, and it's to, to exit the relationship, to run away, Right? It's a powerful witness that when we as churches, you know, go into conflict or disagreement, that we get closer together. (laughs) As brothers and sisters in Christ, even in this church, when we experience conflict, instead of pulling apart, we come together. That's a powerful, strong witness to the world. So Jesus prays for this. He prays for union with other believers. But this isn't all he prays for because that's just the horizontal plane, isn't it? He also prays for the vertical. He prays for union with the Father and with the Son. So Jesus prays for that we would experience a spiritual union with his Father and with himself. Let's look at the passage again, and I just want to read the the lines I highlighted. And as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. He's praying for union with the Father and the Son. And then in verse 23, I am in them and you are in me me, praying for union with the Father and with the Son. So Jesus is praying for vertical unity. Now, what does that mean to be like unified with the Father? So if we look through the Gospel of John, we see what this kind of means to John throughout the Scriptures. First, it means dependency. So we can look at how Jesus was union, unified with the Father and say, okay, something about how Jesus was unified with the Father is going to be true for how we are unified with the Father. And did you know that Jesus was absolutely dependent on his Father? It's not because of some weakness in Jesus. It was because of a choice. He chose to be completely dependent on him. The Son can do nothing, uh, the son can do nothing by himself. So through our union, we, we state and we declare, we're dependent on you, Father. How about sharing the same work as the Father and as Jesus? Jesus did his Father's work, and now we do Jesus' work in this world. We do the Father's work, the work I do in my Father's name. What are some of those things? Well, when we serve the church, right? You're doing the Father's work. You're demonstrating your union with the Father when you use your gifts the way God has called you to bless the local church. When you serve the poor, serve the needy, when we do social justice, or when we, do, uh, when we are loving those on our front line, or we're serving the community, these are ways that we demonstrate our union with the Father. How about our words? Jesus speaks his Father's words. Speak just what the Father has taught me. So when we speak the truth of Scripture, like, we're demonstrating our union with the Father. When, when Kevin got up here and read the Scripture, he was demonstrating his union with the Father. You should sign up for that list. 
How about in being? This is an interesting one. Jesus shares unity in being with the Father. You, Father, are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us. So when I was younger, I used to wonder, like, like, am I, like, one of the Trinity now? Like, I'm a Christian. Like, I'm unified. Like, I went through this very heretical phase as, like, a nine-year-old. I was like, maybe I'm God, too. We're not God, but we do actually share in God's being, his relational being, not his, like, there's a fancy word, his ontological being. I was hoping you would, like, burst into applause for me using that word. <laughs> it's okay. Ontological is just like I am, who I am, my being. No, his relational being. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. And how do we share in the relational aspect of God? Through the Holy Spirit, right? Through putting our faith in Christ, through praying to the Father, through uh, receiving the Holy Spirit. And the most important way that we share union with the Father and with the Son is through our love. Jesus was loved by the Father. Jesus loved the Father. You have loved them as you have loved me. John 17, 23. You have loved them as you have loved me. Jesus is praying about you. Do you realize that if you know Christ, that the Father loves you as he loved Christ? That means he loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. I don't know about you, but I go through times where I'm like, man, the Father doesn't love me because I'm not a good enough Christian. Well, no, the Father loves you as much as he loves Jesus, and Jesus was the perfect Christian. (laughs) Wow. And it's actually through Christ that he can love us. I encourage you to write this sentence down. The Father loves me. Say it to yourself this week. The Father loves me. Write it down. The Father loves me. You can add, the Father loves me as much as he loves Jesus, if you want. When you're going through your own relational difficulties, you can say, the Father loves me. (laughs) When you blow it, you can say, the Father loves me. When you discover your own sin in your own heart, you can say, the Father loves me. I don't know about you, but I need to hear this. I need to hear it over and over again. The Father loves me. The Father loves me. How do we know? Well, just look at like, the intersection of that horizontal and that vertical unity. It's the cross. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus was once angry with us. The Father was once angry with us because of our sins, Right? Our sins make us deserving of judgment before God. The cross, Jesus takes all the sin upon himself, your sin, if you're willing to trust him. And even more than that, he takes upon the Father's, the, the, the anger of the Father upon himself. He, he pays the penalty for God's wrath, and he dies. <laughs> But then three days later, he rises from the grave so that you and I only have to experience the Father's love. So that we can say, the Father loves me. Just look at the cross. The Father loves me. Now I can, I can be in relationship with those around me who are broken, who are sinners, because, well, I've been forgiven. And I can be in relationship with God because I've been forgiven. Wow. It's at the cross that we experience true spiritual union. The Father is in me. I am in the Father. Christ is in me. I am in Christ. 
Have you ever seen those Russian nesting dolls? <laughs> Kathy brought this illustration to the preaching breakfast this week, so that's a little shout-out to you. But apparently they're called matryoshka dolls, or matryoshka dolls. They stack one inside of the other, and I actually found another picture that was really cool. It had 40, 40 of the Russian nesting dolls, so it was like, big, it got smaller and smaller and smaller, and I didn't bring it tonight because I didn't want to lose you. I just thought you would just stare at that picture because it was so amazing for the rest of the night. Well, when people look inside of us, when they, when they pause to examine our lives, who do they find? Do they find the love of Christ? He's in there, whether or not we always show it. But he's, he's there. When people look inside of us, they should find the love of Christ. And when they look into Christ, they, should find, they will find the love of the Father. And when they look into the Father, they should find us again. It's like the eternal Russian nesting doll. It just keeps going and going and going because we're in the Father and the Father is in us. And we're in Christ. Christ is in us. We're unified through the Holy Spirit. We're in union with him. You're a Russian nesting doll. <laughs> that can be your big takeaway. See, when people see us, they should see Jesus, right? When they encounter us, there should be something special about us, something different, the way we interact. And when they hear about the teachings of Jesus, when they hear about this whole love your neighbor, love God, love your neighbor, they should think, oh yeah, that Bernie guy, he's a Christian because I know he loves his neighbor. We should be in union through the Holy Spirit. In fact, we are in union through the Holy Spirit with God. See, prayer, our whole sermon series on prayer, prayer ultimately is not about doing something. It is about being with someone. Prayer is not about just like, I got my prayer done for the day. It's about just being in relationship with Christ. Do you know Jesus wants us to be with him? Father, I desire those you have given me to be with me where I am. Jesus wants to be with you. <laughs> He's either going to do that by you know, your life ends or he comes back. Until that day, we can taste a little bit of what it means to be with Jesus, to be with the Father through prayer. And as we do this, the world will realize that Jesus is from God and that the Father loves us. Like the world will come to understand that Jesus is truly from God. They might not believe it. They might, they might not like trust in Jesus. They might not choose to enter into the love, but they will still know in their hearts that we are different, that we are loved. We find this in verses 23, 25, and 26, so that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. 25, and these have known that you sent me. 26, so that the love you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. If we want to be a powerful witness to the world, <laughs> let's be unified. If we want to see our outreach ministry do even better, let's be unified. If we want to see people come to Cornerstone and be visitors and stay Let's be unified. We can't do this on our own, right? We need the Holy Spirit to bring us into union with each other in this church, 
We need the Holy Spirit to help us be in union with other local churches, and we need the Holy Spirit to to guide us into what missionaries to, to, to pray for and to support all around the world, to be in union with them. We need God for this. So let's pray for union with the Father, with Jesus, and with each other. I want to invite Caleb to come on up. I don't know about you, when I hear a sermon on prayer, I want to spend some time praying. When I read a book on prayer, I want to start praying. And so tonight, we're actually going to spend a little bit of time in corporate prayer. We started five minutes late, so that's like another hour that I can have you here. But we're going to go and pray through John 17. We're going to start just like Jesus prayed by by praying for the Father's glory. Father, you are good. You're glorious. Then I have a couple other prompts, but I would ask you to like get into little groups with those sitting around you. You can be with your spouse or just get near someone and just go around in a circle or hop around and just pray something brief. Father, you are, and we'll keep going until I give you the next prompt. Let's pray. As we wrap up asking for the Father to make us one with those around us, let's finally pray, Father, may the world know. So this is a time to pray for the big day or for our front lines or for Westford. Continue your prayers as the worship team comes up.